Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast. This is episode 109. Wow. Yeah. We're in a series on leadership. What does good leadership look like? What does it take? Uh, these times call for, difficult times call for good leadership. And just to kind of quickly go through it so I don't take too much of our time, mm -hmm. we've talked about the importance for a good leader to be human, transparent, mm -hmm to deal with his or her negative emotions so that they don't become ineffective, to develop the people that work for them, to become the best that they can be, to be innovative and creative. Last time, uh, we, we slowed down just a little bit and Peter had a chance to give some background of his own personal uh, journey and process in learning uh, through hard times and through uh, negative and positive examples, what kind of leader, what kind of a good leader he wanted to be, what parts of that were going to work for him. Right. Um, when we ended last time, we were talking about, from an example that Peter had given, the not always easy path of having to rise to a challenge. When difficult times come, when things are changing, uh, and a leader is faced with needing to respond. Sometimes they have to really rise to a challenge, and that is not always easy or painless. But good leaders take it on. I was trying to remember the age where I began to make that transition. I think it was about between 13 and 14. And it was a significant decision that I made on my own. Um, and I'm. I don't have any regrets about doing it, and I'll tell you that. I do know the learning process was a little, I was rough, and, uh, um, but there was nobody there to show me. So uh, I found my way, and I really did achieve a lot of what I was after, as far as feeling included and, and, and worthy in other people's eyes and whatever. Not 100%, of course. But certainly, I felt better about myself. You felt more confident, yeah. more capable of handling the Absolutely, and I certainly wasn't going to be a victim anymore. You know, it's interesting because I did some thinking about all the research, all the work that we've done, thinking, now, how unique am I as a, a leader? And you know what? I, I really do know this, that there's plenty of people out there that are leaders like me. And I remember a book that we read uh, called The Type... What is it? Type... Uh, type R? Yeah, Type R, that's right, Transformative Resilience and Thriving, by Anna, um, a mother and daughter team, Alma and Stephanie Marston. It's a this really good a book. a great book. We've talked about it before. That's and right. we've, we liked it because it really was reiterating and crystallizing things that we have believed in and, and been working with for a long time, but here they said it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was very, nicely done, really. I love it. And I went back and I thought about it. Because I don't think about everything that we read. We read, read, read so much, and I realize they talked about the qualities and characteristics of good leaders, um, the people that are more resilient. That's what the whole point of it is. Mm -hmm. and R was for resilience. Yes, and you know we spend a lot of time with that. We live it. But I do remember um, thinking about some of the things that all of a sudden it was coming back to me, um, and there were there are studies that have been done out there over the years about good leadership. And one of the things that I remember they're talking about is, see, a lot of times people think, well, he's a really gifted leader, he's really got a high IQ, he's really brilliant and a genius and really smart. And um, 
people mistakenly believe those are the people that make good leaders. And the studies reveal they are not the people that make good leaders. Uh, many times the people that are brought up and they didn't really have a lot of adversity in their life and difficulty to overcome, yet they are very bright people, very smart, very well educated, expected to succeed. Mm -hmm. And the study shows the percentages are not there for those folks. Right. And what they began to talk about in the book that I'm a, I, I live it and I breathe it and I know it. Um, they talk about, well, what are the qualities of good leaders, especially during times of adversity and difficulty? Mm -hmm. Who are the people that seem to thrive off of those difficulties and aren't intimidated and run away or um, become very myopically focused on their own needs and forget about the people that they're responsible to. That happens a lot. We've been a witness to it, and it's very unfortunate. We have. And it's heartbreaking, and it's also can get you angry to see people do that. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what I really remember is that I know I'm not the only one that almost thrives off adversity. There's plenty of people that, that look at it as a challenge to, to embrace they rise to the they, challenge, absolutely. like we were talking about. Well, what is that? And you know the quality that they talk about? One of the studies, they called it a, a grittiness that mm -hmm. a person has. they got that grit. There's actually been some clinical studies. Very clinically sound. It doesn't sound clinical. It sounds real. Yeah. And they talk about the quality of these people that have a grittiness. Mm -hmm. That they look at struggle, they look at difficulties as an opportunity to find new ways to do things, to innovate. And, um, and to absolutely convey to the people that they're leading that those people matter. And uh, I love that. To me, it's very important um, to, to bring out the best in your, your teams, the people that are looking up to you, not to be the, the old model was more the authoritarian model, really. Yeah. Bureaucracies are running that all the time. That's still a very predominant model, the higher, rigid hierarchies. Yeah. Well, I look at it, well, what is the more um, progressive, I don't mean politically progressive, I mean moving forward and, and growing and improving and being more up to date. It's more like what the kind of leadership we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, a leader has, number one, he's got to have, a, a, there's got to be a transparency in we their humanity. Absolutely. They've also got to um, be accessible mm -hmm. um, and um, not just, and there's got to be something else, a quality that I, I know is it's coming hard for me, is humility. And one of the signs of somebody who's been through a lot, really has learned lessons in life. They may have started out like me, filled with pride, and that was one of the offshoots. That is one of the things that came out of it for me. And not, not the best. I thought it was great at the time, but mm -hmm. when I look back at it now, it's kind of a much early state, an earlier stage of my leadership, I had a lot of pride. And you thought at that time that that was actually a strength. Absolutely. And then what did you come to see? Well, I came that? to see that nobody's invincible and, uh, or immortal. And I learned that at a younger age because the kind of challenges I was up against showed me that, no, you're not going to win all of these, even as tough as you are and as prideful as you are. In fact, you're going to go down, you're going you're gonna to fall harder because of that pride. That's happened to me numbers of times in my life. Um, and through it, what I've learned and come to, the hard way is humility. 
Um, humility is not walking around humiliated. It's not being crushed and having to make excuses for yourself and apologize for yourself. Humility is a, is a, it's a certain realization that we're all in this together. We're all human. And I may have good qualities, but there are people that work for me that have excellent qualities, too, that I don't have. For me to get out of the way and to embrace folks that have skills and abilities that I don't and to bring that out um, and to make them a very important part of the team, um, to me is honestly much more productive. Um, um, that's, that's a kind of leadership that is not egotistical, it's not prideful, it's not authoritative, it's not a very rigid hierarchical Although that it's there at times, I don't. Well, authority is important. Yeah, absolutely, the right kind of authority is important. It's called a natural authority. I'd like to get back to what you read or were talking about from Type R, which was grit. Yeah. And you, I know you're talking about grit, about mm -hmm. the process of developing grit. Another word I think people use for it sometimes is hardiness. Yep. So how do you, and I bet seals have plenty of that too. How do you help people? develop that, develop grit and hardiness, the people who come to you or the people that you work with, what, what would you say to someone that says, I need some of that, how do I get there? Well, we have people that say that and other people who are absolutely paralyzed. When it comes to adversity and struggle, um, we are seeing a number of people, particularly this last year, I've never seen it so... Uh, so magnified before, where folks felt so sh rocked by the their underpinnings that they relied on for security and well-being, and uh, was being taken away <coughs> from them very quickly. Um, what we saw was a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people became very, very frightened and insecure. And when they come to us for help. It wasn't for me to be a dominant force in their life, but it exemplified and also to encourage them to move beyond the paralysis to see that this could be a great opportunity, even though there is pain and struggle to it, absolutely, for them to make the changes that they probably have avoided making for a long time. Well, now what's the exposure through the struggles, through the losses, are going to show them their weaknesses, um, the things that they've lost, the things that they, they aren't. But in that same vein, it also gives them an opportunity to reevaluate a lot of their life and begin to take hold in a new way where they wouldn't have done it before. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been an opportunity to work with folks that you just don't have that access. I've had more access to th this year in many ways than I've ever had before. I've also seen how difficult it is for folks to get over a lot of these barriers that they have lived behind for so long and step out and realize, yes, they're going to have to change and things will never be the same again. And there is a very painful upheaval going on. And at the same time, there's a transformation that can take place that can bring out the best in them. Now, I can t talk to them about it. Uh -huh. But I, I, mean, I know I exemplify it because I live that way too. But we so, just so the image that comes to mind for me yeah. is a drill sergeant. Yeah, some of my good friends I grew up with were drill sergeants. But I bet that a drill sergeant model is not, is not complete. 
Is it? Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I, I've never been commanded by a drill sergeant, but I, don't, I get the feeling that what you're talking about has got more to it than, than being like that. Absolutely. And, um, well, I have um, trained under drill sergeants, and they're rough. But we were going into some pretty rough situations, too. So, in some ways, the thinking was, we better toughen these guys up, because the, we're, what we're doing now is absolutely nothing compared to what they're going to see in Vietnam. And I know that's true. I saw what my friends went through, mm -hmm. and um, I didn't go overseas, but I saw what happened to my friends. Yeah. We, we were not prepared. As hard as the drill sergeants were on us, it could never have prepared my friends or me for what we were about to, to get into and what they really had to get into. I went a different world. Um, I had another battle to fight, and that really was traumatic. Um, and it wasn't overseas, it was right here. And some of my strongest authority and experiences were when I got out of the service. But it's interesting about, you mentioned drill sergeants, uh, my attitude toward drill sergeants was not good. I was not one of the good soldiers, not one of the really obedient type. But I would look at them and I know, well, I wasn't going to be able to combat them. They had the power and they were really hard hitting. But I was, I told, I remember telling myself, I'm not going to let these people get to me. I'm not going to let them make me into some automaton killer. Well. That was foolish, because in the end, that's exactly what I became. You, you were saying that they, with perspective, were trying to prepare you for a very, very extreme situation. Absolutely, and mine was extreme, but not overseas. It was here. It was here with the organized crime. But, you know, it was, what, it was funny, because uh, as we trained, and I was, a, I was resistant to them. They wanted to make me a, a platoon leader, and I took a look at what they were doing right in the beginning, and I said... Not me. I'm not doing it. They saw me as a leader right off the bat, mm -hmm. and I was very physically fit. And I remember halfway through, I go, I'm not going to do it for them. I know. That's my attitude. It was I stupid. Mm -hmm. But um, some of my friends did the opposite, and they yeah. said, I'm, I'm going to learn as much as I can. And they were much healthier, and they did much better than I did. But I also remember toward the end of training, um, I became what I swore to myself I wasn't going to become. And I did get, as tough as I was, um, I remember reaching a point during um, advanced infantry training, I'll never forget it, when uh, someone had uh, tried to bully me. <laughs> now that's not, and, and they made fun of me as a Jew. I'll never forget it. And a lot of the drill sergeants at the time had that prejudice. And I remember I almost killed the guy. And it was that fast. And he was twice my size. And it didn't even matter. But what, and I remember while I was ready to bash his head, I'll never forget how violent I became. But you know what they did? They stepped back and they smiled. Mm -hmm. And they got, and they remember they're thinking, we got Bernstein now. We finally got him. Mm -hmm. And they were happy about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, this is so perverted because I could kill this guy right now. And it was only in the last instant that they, they stopped me. That they stopped you? Yeah. yeah. But it, and it was so automatic. That was the thing. And I didn't want to become that. Well, I did. I did become that. It got me. In, I, when I got out of this, the active part of the service, it was very much part of me. Mm -hmm. um, and I was pretty rough character before, but this was much more. So uh, when I was a leader in the construction business, mm -hmm. And I was up against rough characters. There's no question that that stuff. Can't, no one was going to intimidate me. I was smart enough and clever enough um, to know 
how to deal with it and not to, sometimes you couldn't take it head on because these people were so violent in organized crime. But the truth of the matter is, I was one of the few people that stood up to the mafia and didn't back down a step. And boy, did we pay. And, um, but I remember it was part of my military training. There's no question. When they came at me, I was ready. Yeah. And if they were going to hurt my family and our workers, young Peter Bernstein, who just got out of the service, was going to war. And I was not kidding. I mean, it was in me. But, um, and I saw myself at that point realizing, this is called for, and I am going to stand my ground against these folks. And I did for a good, a good few years. But out of that bad experience, and it was rough, I learned a lot. I did learn a lot. That's what I'm hearing, and, and we are again almost out of time. But what I'm hearing, and this was key to me, what you just said, about how the process was to prepare you for a situation coming that they could see and you couldn't yet. They had flaws in their method. Mm -hmm. There were things that they didn't do that were, that were necessary and things that they did do that weren't helpful. And um, I'm just summarizing, trying to summarize briefly, but basically that key idea that they saw what was coming and wanted you to be prepared. Absolutely. And, and that's true for people who need grit and hardiness and leaders. They are, need to be looking for someone who has a better picture than they do of what's coming and that they need to get ready for Well, it. here's the other part. Toward the end of our training and where everybody was going to Vietnam, I, I, didn't, I went into an uh, infantry training unit as a trainer. You know what really happened? Those tough um, drill sergeants, I'll never forget this, began to show their caring. And they were deeply concerned about the safety of their men. I was touched. And I was thinking to myself, through all of this, Look at what was really behind that. And now I'm seeing they really did care. Mm -hmm. Well, that's one of the models, i got to say, that I, was, that I embraced. Because here's these tough characters, and boy, they were rough. But when I was at Fort Ord, and one of the, Fort Ord, California, one of the things was the mortality rate and the casualty rate of people coming from there was so high. Yeah. And these drill instructors were desperately trying to toughen us up so that we wouldn't Save get hurt. Your life. Yes, and they began to show that toward the end of our training. That touched me more than anything. I think that part of the model that we're talking about being, being gritty, hardy, and tough, absolutely. But the other part is that transparency is so important to show that you do care. Mm -hmm. And you're willing to put yourself on the line as a leader um, to do whatever it takes for the benefit of the people that are working for you or working with you and that you want the best for them and that you really do care. That's the number one message. So sometimes a good leader has got to be able to show their own flaws and their own humanity um, to give these other people permission, like I had permission, mm -hmm. to be more human and to be more transparent. So these are yeah. some of the qualities. You've got the grittiness, the hardiness, yeah. thriving off of adversity and struggle, and then also the, the core humanity, the humility, um, the transparency is so important yeah. to the model. Yeah. We call it an authoritative model. We're going to have to stop there. But well, I'm bad. so I'm glad rolling. we got that. He's rolling. I'm rolling So now. I guess that means we'll be back. Yeah. Right, Steve? Yeah. We'll be back. All right. 
So, the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast is brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 charity that completely supports us. Please donate to them and help keep us going here because we've got more, believe me. Uh, so, our website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram. We have our own YouTube channel where you'll find all our podcasts. Please like, share, and watch and listen. Peter and I can be reached at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We love doing this. And I hope it helps. Thank you. Thank you.